you. It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Bring for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Here we go, a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1 ESPN, Syracuse.com, and on our Facebook Live, ESPN Syracuse. Check it out. You can watch the two hours of the show. Of course, we post a podcast afterwards. We'll post half an hour of this show uh, in our 30 Minutes in Orange Nation along with our interviews. Uh, but if you want to go back and watch all two hours, if you want to go back and listen to all two hours, it gets archived immediately on our Facebook page, and that's a good way to go ahead and do that. A lot on the table today. We will talk NFL draft. We will have Sal Capaccio coming up at 1 o'clock from WGR and the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. We will have Lucas Favalli coming up at 12.30, talking about the Syracuse Crunch. They're up 2-0 in the Calder Cup playoffs in their first round against Rochester. They play again tomorrow night. They can go for the series sweep tomorrow night in Rochester. So we'll talk with Lucas about that in about half an hour. Of course, we'll bring Max in for today's business coming up in hour number two. Uh, at some point here, at some point here, I need to revisit a topic that we talked about last week. Last week, Steve and I spent a lot of time talking about um, talking about this idea that the A's had, right? When the, the Oakland A's uh, decided to open their stadium up to all their fans for free, right? And they gave out free tickets to, to, uh, to celebrate their 50th anniversary of moving to Oakland, right? The 50th anniversary of their first game. And they didn't sell out, right, in, in air quotes, of course. They didn't hit capacity. They hit about 45,000. Steve and I talked about it with SU football. Would SU football do that? Would SU football reach capacity uh, if they gave out tickets for free, right? If it was a one-time event celebrating a something and, and tickets were free. Um, and so, for the most part, reaction on the phones, reaction on Twitter was a resounding no, but we got our poll results on our ESPN Syracuse site, and I want to talk about those, but I don't want to do it right now. So that'll be coming up in just a little bit as well. I wanted to start with the NFL draft. I want to start with the New York football giants and with the Buffalo Bills. 315-437-7644 on Twitter, at Seth Goldberg, if you've got some draft thoughts for me here. But I'm trying to look... And trying to think of what would be an ideal situation for the New York Giants, right? That's how I'm I'm thinking first and foremost as a Giants fan. They come in with number two in the draft. Uh, the the rumors and, and conjecture are that they are going to take Saquon Barkley. And I uh, I just I don't like it. Right? I, I just there's something eating away at me that Saquon Barkley's not a good pick. For the New York Giants. There's just something eating away at me. Telling me that's not the right pick. And I don't know if it's purely that I value a quarterback so much more than a running back. I don't know if it's that. I think there's a higher tendency for high draft pick running backs to to flame out. Just given the position. Given the nature of the position. And the fact that by 30 years old they're done anyway. 
I don't know if it's what I heard last night from Bill Barnwell on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt when he said that only one running back in football has a multi-year contract paying him $8 million a year. Only one. And that's LaShawn McCoy. And if Saquon Barkley were picked second in the NFL draft on Thursday night, he would get a multi-year deal worth $8 million a year. So I don't know which one of those three factors, or if it's all three, that are making me say, don't take Saquon Barkley. But I don't want the Giants to take Saquon Barkley. And that's with knowing that he is a tremendous, tremendous talent. That he could go on to have a very good NFL career. He could go on to have a Hall of Fame NFL career. I totally understand that. But I don't think it's the right pick for the Giants. I don't think it's the right pick for this team right now. It just doesn't feel like the right pick. Especially when you take into account that the Giants have an aging quarterback. The Giants need that next quarterback. Because as Bills fans can attest to, the other team we'll talk about here in a moment, as Bills fans can attest to, there are two groups of quarterbacks, uh, two groups of teams in the NFL, right? There are two teams. There's the team that has their quarterback, and there's the team that does not have their quarterback. And the gap from having a great quarterback to finding that next, even average quarterback can be a long time. How long did it take to get from Jim Kelly to Tyrod Taylor? How many names were recycled going from Jim Kelly to Tyrod Taylor? And I would hate to see the Giants in that same situation when Eli Manning retires. Eli Manning wins two Super Bowls for you. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. Could very well be on his way to Canton, Ohio in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he's also 37 right now. Coming off his worst season in, in I don't know how long. Probably ever. A season in which he got benched. In which he just simply put wasn't good enough. And now, because of that, the Giants have the second pick in what is considered a very, very quarterback-rich draft. So why wouldn't you go out and find that next guy? Why wouldn't you go out and set yourself up to be the Green Bay Packers or the San Francisco 49ers with that known quantity behind your quarterback, right? With that that known successor there. And I'm not saying that either quarterback, right? I'm not saying that Eli Manning is Brett Favre or Joe Montana or Jim Kelly. And I'm not saying that whoever they draft is Aaron Rodgers or or Steve Young. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'd much rather have a quarterback in my back pocket. I'd much rather have a quarterback there waiting, developing in my system for a year, two years, whatever it may be that you think Eli's got left, and then let him go play. And then put him out there. And I'd rather have that than a running back. A running back that is going to be overpaid from the minute he steps on the football field. A running back that will be making more money 
than all but one running back signed to a multi-year deal in the league, and he would be a rookie. It's not about Saquon Barkley, the player. My concern is not in the slightest about Saquon Barkley, the player. I think he is a great college running back. I think he will be a very good to great NFL player. But I don't think it fits in with what the Giants need. And I don't think it fits in with what the Giants should do. I've said this a couple of times over the last week or so as Steve and I have ramped up the NFL draft talk. I've said this a couple of times. I think there is a high, a, a higher probability that the Giants are back picking top five should they take Barkley than should they take Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen. And to me, it's a very simple reason why. It's a very simple reason why. Simply put, quarterbacks have more value to a team. Simply put, quarterbacks have a greater impact on games. It is a pass-first league. It is a quarterback-friendly league. The Giants need to take advantage of that. Any team needs to take advantage of that. And that's why I think you're going to see quarterbacks pick number one, number two, number three, number five. Teams need to take advantage of quarterbacks. Teams need to take advantage of young quarterbacks. Look at what Philadelphia did. Look at what Seattle did with Russell Wilson on his rookie deal. Look at how teams manipulate the salary cap with rookie quarterbacks and second-year quarterbacks because they are so vastly and greatly underpaid, you can go out and do something else with that cap space. Seattle can go out and pay their secondary because Russell Wilson is making fractions of what he's worth. Philadelphia can go out and pay everybody else that they want. Bring in all these weapons on offense. Bring in Chris Long and and these great pieces on defense. And they can do that because Carson Wentz, even at $7.5 or $8 million a year, is being paid a fraction of what he is worth. And I'm not saying the Giants can go out and take advantage of that right now because they still have Eli Manning, at least for this year. Right, at least for this year, they've got Eli Manning. But they need that quarterback. They need that guy behind him to take the next step because I don't think it's Davis Webb. Because if it was Davis Webb, he would have played last year. The positional value of a quarterback is so much greater than any other position on the field that it just doesn't make sense to go out and draft Saquon Barkley number two. And then you factor on top of that the actual dollar value, the actual contractual dollar value of Saquon Barkley getting $8 million a year versus a quarterback getting $8 million a year over multiple years. And it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense for the Giants to make that pick. So in order of what I think would be a successful night on Thursday night, I've got two things. Uh, my, my list has two bullet points. Draft the quarterback 
And an addendum off this, Darnold, Rosen, Baker Mayfield, one of those three. That is my top option. Draft Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Option number two is trade down. Trade out of that pick. If you are not going to use it on a quarterback, do not use it on Saquon Barkley. It just doesn't make sense. And that can be sense, S-E-N-S-E, or that can be sense, C-E-N-T-S. It does not make either one. Not a wise move to do that. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll get to some Bills stuff here. uh, and, And what would make a successful night for the Buffalo Bills on draft night come Thursday. Take a timeout back after this on Orange Nation. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation, rolling until 2 o'clock. Seth Goldberg with you. Steve out sick today, feeling a little under the weather, so uh, we're hoping that he uh, gets well soon and can get back at it tomorrow. But we do have Max Brigandi here. I am Hello, here. Max, welcome back. Uh, what What do you have for what What do you have for me? Uh, well, it's not exactly today's business, but there were a few headlines that okay. I wanted to pass along to you today. And let's start with uh, Julio Jones not reporting to workouts and deleting Falcons posts from his Instagram. He locked his Twitter as well. Is this newsworthy or no? Uh, n- Ultimately, no, probably not, but I think it's kind of funny and like it could turn newsworthy if that makes any sense. Like right now, no, like this doesn't matter. Uh, it's voluntary workouts. He's a healthy wide receiver who's coming back and has been in that offense. Like, no, right now, that's not a problem. Could it become a problem? Yes, there's it contract, absolutely can. There's contract rumors involved in this as right, well, right? Because he and, at right at this time is getting paid less than Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and an uh. Jarvis Landry, Jarvis probably, Landry, who just signed, who just his deal. signed yeah. yes. So I'm sure that there are contract issues, and again, it's voluntary workouts. You know, if it, if it was Odell Beckham Jr. who is hurt and joining a new coaching staff, I'd be concerned. But he's not, and he's not. Um, you know, and Beckham is at workouts. Uh, like, you know, to, to use a Giants analogy here, uh, because I think this headline's hilarious, Eric Flowers is not at, like, of, of all people, Eric Flowers was like, nah, I'm good, I'm going to... I'm gonna pass on voluntary workouts. You know, it's it's Julio Jones. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not worried. You know. Yeah, it's their superstar. I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere. Exactly. If he did, I find the Instagram thing hilarious. Like, what he do? He he scrubbed he just, his account of Falcons pictures and then locked it so that nobody who doesn't follow him could could see it. That's much, amazing. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's just weird. I don't know. He said right. he wanted a fresh start or something and was trying to set an example for Alabama I don't players. Buy it. I don't buy it. I don't that. buy I don't it. really know what you're... I think somebody like hacked him and posted something he didn't want. Yeah. I don't know. But you brought up Eric Flowers. The Giants apparently trying to trade him. <laughs> Is that news- <laughs> newsworthy or not? <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> they can't trade him? Who's going to get? Who's gonna give anything up for him? I don't know, man. I have a better chance of blocking a defensive end than he does. He's he was so bad. He was not good for you guys. He's so bad. And I love how everybody this offseason, after they signed Nate Solder, everybody's been like, oh, well, it's no big deal. They'll just move him over to right tackle. Okay, so he'll be a terrible right tackle then. I 
Like, no, he's a bad player. He he did not pan out. He is a draft bust. He never got the the kind of coaching that he needed. Whatever it might have been. It, no, who's giving <laughs> up a pick for him? That's amazing. I don't like, what could they po- like what could they possibly get for him? It's like a Flint Tropics thing where you trade Seventh a wash- you trade a washing machine for yeah. him. Some kicking tees. Uh, know. You know they they just got they just gave up a seventh rounder for Riley Dixon. You think they're looking to recoup the pick? <laughs> Maybe. But that's all we want. That's we just we want, want a conditional seventh rounder for our ninth overall pick two years ago. All right, let's stick with Jerry the- Reese. <laughs> There's a good reason he got fired. I mean, that's your team, not mine. So oh, I know. The Browns are considering Baker Mayfield at number one. I love one. it. I love it. I, I, Well, I love it and I hate it at the same time. I told you I want Baker Mayfield on my team. Like, he's the quarterback I like the most. Yeah. Um, I do a really simple thing when it comes to the NFL draft, and maybe this is overly simplistic. I hate the combine. I think it's dumb. I, I don't really love pro days because it's all scripted. I enjoy watching them actually play football. And when I watch these people play actual football, Baker Mayfield looks really freaking good. And I know that he is only six feet tall and he's short and whatever, and that some people may be turned off by his attitude or, or his edge. I, I like it. Um, that That's the guy I want. Like, that's the guy that I watch, and I'm like, he's really good. Like, I want him on my team. Um, I mean, he won the Heisman for a reason. Right, right. Like, he had a fantastic year. He's a fantastic player. I want Baker Mayfield on my team. The only reason why I don't like this is because it's the Browns. And if they whoever they pick is going to be bad, right? That's like one of two draft predictions I'll I'll be okay making. Whoever the Browns pick is not going to be good. And so I would like to see Baker Mayfield be pretty good and succeed and and I don't think that'll happen if he gets picked by Cleveland. It's I mean it's hard to succeed in Cleveland. Exactly. It's and, exciting and it's not what even, they've done in the offseason because it's the first real attempt they've made to be relevant again. Exactly. And you know what? It, it's not even like you could say, oh, well, it's that head coach who doesn't do a good job. No, or it's, it's been like it's, 16 it's head that coaches. GM who doesn't do a good job. Or, you know, that owner is a problem. No, it's been 20 years. You've had multiple owners, multiple coaches, multiple GMs, multiple assistant coaches. You've had coaches who have left and come back. Like, no, it's it's not just one simple problem. It's just a Cur- it's just a cursed franchise. It would not surprise me if somewhere down the road we look back and we say, oh, wow, Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback yes. to come out of this draft class. That would not surprise me at all. He's kind of flown under the radar. He's, I, I I, would love it if the Giants nabbed him at two. I would absolutely love it. I think he's going to be successful. I mean, all yes. the hype around Josh Allen, I don't really understand. Um, it's kind of like I see like the EJ Manuel situation with him, except... I think Josh Allen's better than EJ Manuel, but he played in Wyoming. And if you look yeah, at his stats against like buying. top twenty-five teams, he's got a losing record, less than sixty percent completion percentage, and just I don't know. He hasn't played against I, the cream of the crop, and you know, he just I, I don't understand really the hype behind Holt, like the Josh no, Allen. No, I'm thing. not. I'm look. I'm I'm not buying into. I'm not buying into uh, Josh Allen. I, I said this before. I, I think he's not going to be good. And uh, I think that when you look at what he's done, and, and I said I like to watch, like actually watch them rather than see all the underwear Olympics and running in a straight line and gym shorts and having scripted plays against no defense, I'd rather actually watch them play real football. Uh, I don't I don't see it with Josh Allen. Maybe, maybe I'm just missing something. And, and 
Maybe you just love the fact that he's six foot five and has a rocket arm. Yeah, but that's literally it. I don't know. You know, I think ba- that's Baker it. Mayfield. I heard this stat last night. Baker Mayfield completes fifty two percent of his passes more than twenty yards downfield. He's very accurate. I mean, you've got you've got a, a rocket arm, and, and in comparison, Josh Allen completed fifty nine percent of his passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, what's that tell you about the two of them? It tells you that. Baker Mayfield has a bigger arm than you might want to admit, and he's accurate with it. And that Josh Rose and Josh Allen, even at or behind the line of scrimmage, is not accurate at all and can't hit anything. Plus, so, Baker's got know. the wheels too, right? And you know, you talk about sustainability and durability in the NFL. Yep, he's also got the arm to go with it, and he's confident in his arm and it's accurate. So, is he going to extend plays behind the line of scrimmage? Yes, yes, absolutely. But is he going to be like Lamar Jackson and try to pick up first downs with his feet? Maybe not. Maybe not. And maybe, that's why I think Baker not. will be successful because I, I think too. he's a smart player. Yeah, and he knows. I, I want him. He knows how to use his skill set very well. Yes, I want him. He's the quarterback I want. I've said that from the jump. Yeah. All right. So last night in the Thunder and Jazz game, Russell Westbrook picked up four fouls in the first this half. This was hilarious. And who I know other, what you're going to say. But Mitt Romney, <laughs> Mitt Romney wearing a Rodney Hood Utah Jazz jersey. No, was, it wasn't a Rodney Hood jersey. Yes, it was. No, it was a personalized five Rod, oh, no. Mitt Romney jersey. No. Yes. Yes, it was a personalized jersey. Then my sources are incorrect. Yeah. But that makes the story that much better. It is. Anyway, Westbrook walking to the bench, Romney's seen close to the court, holding up four fingers at him and pointing. Newsworthy or not? <laughs> no, it's not newsworthy. But and, it's funny. But it's awesome. And it it was like the story of the internet last night. It was awesome. Uh, it was so funny. Uh, I mean, just how how great is that? People also pulled up uh, the the classic comparison, which I always love, which is you could do this to any politician ever. Uh, but he, when he was the governor of Massachusetts, he was at a Celtics game, like holding up their rally towel, and it said like <laughs> "I'm a Celtic." And then he's like at the game last at night wearing a personalized game, yeah. jazz jersey. So like, it, and of course now he's running for some uh, I Senate, think the Senate, Senate in, yeah. in Utah. So it's like, of course, like any politician does this. Uh, you know, during the presidential election, somebody went out to Iowa and was like, "Oh, I hope the Hawkeyes go out to the Rose Bowl and win, unless they play my Stanford Cardinal, and then like they I've... lose." And I was just like, "This is the best." I mean, politicians getting behind sports teams are the the best and funniest things ever. Uh, you know, you had the mayor in mayor in uh, uh, oh the mayor of Boston saying Veritex split the uprights. Uh, I mean, it's it's just the best when when these people talk about sports and and this was one just, of those situations. Just go look at the video because well, the see, video is hilarious. Say, seeing it on camera because he's like repeatingly pointing at Westbrook. He's just like, you, like, got four, you got four. You got four. Even the announcers, the announcers yeah. were laughing at him. <laughs> it was so perfect. What's going on with the Jazz though, man? They they look good. I think it's more what's going on with the Thunder, isn't it? Uh, I is mean, it like really because the Jazz look they they could I be mean, look, pretty the, good too. The Jazz the Jazz are pretty good, and and the Jazz have been a pretty good team all year. Uh, but at the same time, the Thunder put together this team and put together Russ and it Paul George and Melo, and it has just never come together. Um, I I don't know that I've seen a player go from superstar to just like non factor faster than Carmelo Anthony has. I, I mean, he was a star. Yeah. And and it's just a complete complete non-factor on this Thunder team. It's amazing. Phil Jackson really broke is. him. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if it's <laughs> he doesn't work anymore. He's broken. Yeah. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's that. Um, 
I don't know if it's that like he he just doesn't fit in what they're trying to do, and they want him to just be a spot up three point shooter, and that's not what he is. I, I don't know what factor it is of many, but it seems like he would be better served coming off the bench. And being that guy on the second unit. Hey, okay, Russ and Paul George both need a breather, you know, 10 minutes in. Hey, Mello, go do your thing for the next five, right? Take over. Play Mello ball. Play play ISO ball and, and do your thing and, and keep us in the game. And and it doesn't seem like they're asking him to do that. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but they, that it's hasn't like, worked. It's like the definition of insanity. Like, they keep trying yep. to play the three guys together. And they're getting the same result over and over and over without changing anything. And they're wondering why. It's like, well, maybe you need to do that and put him on the bench to start games and have him come in right? and say, hey. Maybe you can't play him with Westbrook Pretend it's and 2008 again and then right. just go be Do whatever mellow. you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, maybe they can't. I, I guess maybe it's that he can't play with Westbrook and Paul George. Right? There's only one basketball. How many times is that said? And yeah. I think that Steve and I said that you know, back in September. Because these three all seem like ball dominant players, and and you know yes, Mello, yes, LeBron was, and Wade was, and to an extent Chris Bosh was, but they all had other skills that allowed them to not rely on having the ball in their hands. You know, so much of all three of their games in in Mello, Paul George, and Westbrook is so predicated on having the ball in their hands, and I think that's what they ran into uh, this year. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back with today's business after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Back on Orange Nation. About a half an hour left in the show. Seth Goldberg here with you up until 2 o'clock. And we're joined once again by our producer, Max Brigandi, for today's business. All right, Max. Some history was made yesterday. What was that? Jenny Canver became the first woman since 1996 to do play-by-play for a baseball game during the Padres-Rockies game. And, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. Did you hear her play-by-play calls? I did. I liked uh, Fire Up the Fountains. Fire Up the Fountains. I like that. I like that. That was good. That was Uh, great. Yeah, look, this is. I think this is, you know, in in the broadcasting world, a big deal, right? Absolutely. uh, You know, I, I know that there are probably a bunch of sports fans, and go check the replies to the Rockies tweets about... About that happening last night, uh, if, you, if you're really interested. There are plenty of sports fans who probably hate it, uh, and I, I don't really get why. She did a fine job, uh, you know, from, from the, the stuff I heard, and she's been covering baseball for 12 years. It's not like it's some new person, right. you know, that, that uh, it, they're just throwing out there. So I, I thought she did a good job, and uh, it, look, it's about time, right? Like, who cares? That's what who I'm kind of getting at. Who like, cares who the best person Who cares if, if you the best sit at home and, a man or a woman or anything else? If you literally sit at home and, you're, and this angers you, then you have something somebody, severely somebody wrong. Somebody last with you. night, I got to find the Rockies tweet, but somebody last night, like, created a Twitter account and sent their first tweet to the Rockies, like, saying that. Saying, uh, saying, saying like, this is terrible. Turn it she off. Was, I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, uh, and like you said, it's not like she hasn't done this for right twelve years. So the Rockies tweet out: "We're extremely proud of Jenny Kavnar, who tonight becomes the first woman ever to call, uh, becomes among the first woman ever to call play-by-play for a TV broadcast." Uh, This guy Tom tweets at them and says, "These guys are terrible. Please do anything. Such a huge distraction." And the Rockies take a screenshot of it 
and go, hi there, Tom, in air quotes. You created a new Twitter account entirely for the pur- for the purpose of tweeting this. Delete your newly created account and take a moment for self-reflection. And the, the account is is a, a blank face, right? It's, it's, it's the, a Twitter egg. Yeah, it's a Twitter egg. Uh, and it's just like his name and a bunch. It's just like Tom and a bunch of numbers behind it. And he's following two people. One of them is the Rockies. Is the Rockies. Yeah. So, so he the other one is his real Twitter account. He literally deleted. He literally deleted the. Uh, he literally created a Twitter account just for that. The Rockies were like going back at people all night uh, over this. It, it was unbelievable. But it. Yeah. I, look. Well, I don't care who's calling the game. If if they're good enough at their job, let them do it. I I couldn't care less if if it's a man, woman. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Talk about someone who's good enough at their job. Mike Francesa is coming back to WFAN in the three to seven <laughs> slot. Yeah. You see that headline? Oh my goodness! What a mess! What Are a you mess! So excited for that? No, I'm not. I, no. You're not a Francesa guy. No, I never really listened. I, I was never really a fan. Um, look, I, I think that when you when you look at what happened, it, it's just a wild situation. Uh, I, I feel honestly, I feel bad for the people who replaced him. I, I really do. Can you enlighten us? For those who may not know of the whole situation, so he retired in. So this is he kind of the funny part. He retired in in December, right in mid to late December. He retired after like a nineteen month uh, farewell tour, and from the jump, he was like, "I can't announce anything until April first. I can't announce anything until April first. I can't announce anything until April first. And then April first came, and he never announced anything. And like reports and speculation were that there, there wasn't much interest in in getting Mike Francesa right. anywhere. Um, and so now, today, he's, uh, they, they he's everybody is back. reporting that he is going back to WFAN. And uh, it, it's just a wild situation. I, I mean, I, again, I feel bad for the people that took over for him because they took over and the, the people who were like diehard Francesa fans hated them before they even said a word on the radio uh, and didn't give them a chance. And then uh, you know now they're they're getting kind of pushed to the side to bring them back. It's it's a tough situation. Uh, it's it's a very odd tough situation for them to be in. Um, and also you you read reports that people aren't happy. It, the whole thing is just weird. The whole thing is just very weird. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm not a Princess of Fan myself, but I had to bring it up because it's yeah, just such a strange it's, situation. It's just such a I I compared it earlier to a Shakespearean uh, drama. Yeah, <laughs> everything goes wrong. Everyone dies at the end. I don't think people will die, but hopefully not. <laughs> I hope not. Let's. Uh, I really wanted to get this in because the Yankees had a great day yesterday. They did. They won fourteen to one. They Glaber- had a home run off a center fielder. Yeah, Glaber Torres came <laughs> in or got called up. He had his first major league hit, and Miguel Andujar made history yesterday, joining Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, becoming the third player in Yankee history to collect extra base hits in seven consecutive games before turning 24. He has been playing yes. out of his mind in the absence of Brandon Drury, and I don't know what Aaron Boone's going to do when he comes back. Uh, Is it, it's got to be I as mean, simple he's as... he's going to keep playing the guy who's right. hitting incredibly well. Oh, right. I don't think, I don't think I this is a question. I wasn't only talking about that. I was talking about with Torres as well. If he keeps... No, no, no. Torres is the second baseman. Torres is the. No, I'm not talking baseman. about third base. I'm talking about just playing in general because no, Drury I, can kind of play anywhere no, I know, in the but infield. I, I think Torres is the everyday second baseman, and I think as of right now, uh, with the way he is hitting, I think Andujar is the everyday third baseman. And I don't think that you make a change, and I don't think it matters 
when Drury comes back and and what his deal is, I I think you've just got to leave it. I I really do. Um, you know, maybe Drury can pick up a little bit at first base because the guy that you're going to send out, there's only one option of people to send down here. It, it's Tyler Austin. Uh, you know, and he and he's been playing. And he's been well. playing well. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a really difficult situation, but he's kind of the only guy to eligible to send down. I mean, you're not going to send down Andujar, who's on a seven-game extra base hit extra streak. Base hit Forget streak. hitting streak. Extra yeah. base hit streak. Um, and is hitting uh, probably about 600 now. He'll, he'll be 17 of 28. What's the quick math on that? 17 of 28 over this seven-game streak, oh, which God. is absolutely but... insane. So you're not sending That's him 607. down. 607. Yeah, you're not sending so. him down. Torres is the guy that you just called up. I don't think you would send him down uh, again this quickly. I think that he's just going to find time to play when he finds time to play, and that means filling in at third, filling in at second, playing some first base before Greg Bird gets back. Uh, he, it, It's tough luck to lose job to an injury, but I, I think he just lost his job to an injury. Yeah, I mean, that's tough, and you never want to see it, but I'm all about Andujar at the moment. And and coaches say they hate to do it, right? Coaches say they hate to to make a guy lose their job due to injury, but... You're again. You're not going to sit the guy who's hitting six oh seven over the last ten days. And perhaps the most encouraging thing about last night was Giancarlo went four for four with a walk and a home run. Oh, he was great. Yeah, great. He, he was great. Uh, his batting average rose forty points. Yes, it went from one seventy six to two something, yeah. two twenty something. Yeah. His, his batting average went up uh, roughly forty five to fifty points uh, in last night's game. That home run he hit was an absolute shot. Uh, it can't. The pitch came in. You're just like, oh, that's yeah. You, you saw. Yeah, you I was saw, watching you could, it like, on TV. You could see his li- eyes light up. You're like, oh, that's a problem. Like, as as the ball was being thrown, I was like, oh no. And oh, then no. I just watch him send it into the bleachers. He, uh, he talked about this on ESPN afterwards. It was an ESPN game last night as well. And and he he was interviewed by the crew, and he said that he got a hanging curveball on like the first pitch. He was like, well, I'm not going to get that again. And then two <laughs> pitches later, he did. And he was like, oh, okay. And, there it is. Like his eyes just widened, and he and he just smashed it. Uh, look, that that's a big deal for him. Uh, I thought it was a pretty big deal uh, that a couple of the singles he hit went the other way. So you know that's kind of getting your timing back and 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 having good at bats, seeing the ball well. Um, once you start going up the middle in the other way, it feels like that's when things are are really coming around. Yeah, especially in Yankee Stadium for him. Oh yeah. So that's a big deal. That's all I got oh, for yeah. you today. All right, that, that was, was today's, today's business. business. We're back after this on ESPN We're Radio. In sync today. Every.